0: to you, Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna, where I take a weekly look at the many trials and those brilliant tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters might find themselves in. Like, is stealing a car really a kidnapping if there just happens to be a baby in it? Or is moving to Italy The only option to save your marriage. Get ready to feel closer each day to Home and Away. Summer Base is an anti-spoiler podcast. So we don't look ahead at what comes up next on Home and Away. Every time the episode ends, you run for the remote, hit pause. Don't look at what's coming up the next day because the twists and turns will be so unexpected you won't know what's coming and it's a total game changer (laughs) what a week oh my god the whole time I thought Jasmine would be robbing baby grace I didn't even think that it could have been Nick what Look, we know he's not really good in a crisis. He's totally panicking, doing a runner, making it look even more obvious that he's the one who robbed the diner. And with a convenient, in a way, bus strike, he steals a car and accidentally robs baby Grace. And Tori's reaction, when the car is like speeding off, it actually looked like she was excited. The way she was like, oh, like it was like the hands and the screeching, I don't know, I was like, that's a bit of a weird reaction. But look, it's a visceral, motherly, or like it's an out of body reaction. So look, we can't judge her, but pretty hysterical. And even in the in the police station, done very well. And very interesting thinking that it, relating it back to Robbo being like, is it payback? That's where your mind would go. But leaving the car keys in the ignition led most people to believe that it was an opportunistic car robber but the thief could have just left the baby out on the side of the road when they realised the kid was in there and because she's such an infant so obviously it's a reason to be for the mass hysteria obviously there is so uh, we all know Nick has a heart so Tani luckily comes in to save the day and that's when we get the confession from Nick saying I didn't rob the diner so not that he's not off the hook but at least we have that clarity and him saying I freaked out because if Bella doesn't believe me nobody will okay whatever but anyway Tane saves the day and drops Baby Grace off the doorstep so that's fine but did you notice when Tori was like staring out the window when they're back at home and Leah gives her like a hug from behind Leah's lips oh my god she needs to tone back the filler it's, she's just she's at the cusp now with too much plastic surgery, and I hope she doesn't get any more judging up of the face because it was she was looking a little bit ducky there. While she is beautiful and has such fabulous hair, I just don't want her to go too fill her face. Anyway, so Tori's not even mad. She's just happy that Grace has been returned. And the whole time this was happening, I was like, where is Jasmine and all of this? I cannot wait for her reaction. So when she kind of overhears it and bursts through the Morgan's door and be like, why didn't anyone call me? And they're like, you're not a priority. Grace is the priority. I thought um, Tori was actually quite different with Jasmine being like, please don't play with her. I'm trying to settle her. Then Jasmine's kind of like out of her body and saying exactly what's in her mind. Like, why did you leave the keys in the ignition? And it really starts laying on a guilt trip, Uh, talking about like, I can't help but think Robbo would say, so thank you, Justin, kicking her out. And it's like, oh, I don't need to go. Don't worry, it's like, no, I'll show you out. And there wasn't a peep from Tory. But like, you're making her feel like an awful mother. And obviously she feels bad enough as is. She doesn't need someone saying it to her. And it was an emergency situation. So I don't really understand why Jasmine's obviously foggy headed about the whole thing and only literally can only think about one tiny human and nobody else. So, Jasmine is not judge and jury. And what Justin said about like Robbo wouldn't blame her, Jasmine's just using Robo as a kind of license to act however she wants at Grace in this like weird, like motherly protector role. But Tori obviously feels vulnerable and that she's not a good mum. So, she really doesn't need Jasmine. Rubbing that in. And um, so if you can't talk to the Morgans about it, why not take it up in a chat room? So the conversation starts with friend left a baby in a car alone. And obviously the trolls are going to tell you that you're right and and Tori's wrong. So she gets this false sense of encouragement to go to the police being like, oh, we could have lost Grace. But now, in fairness to Colby, Colby did a great job there being like, if you go down this route, it'll create more distance between you and the Morgans. So that kind of pulls her off the edge, but only temporarily, of course, when she's caught in salt calling a lawyer. Luckily, Mac cops on and calls Willow and she has this meltdown in the gym thinking the baby is in danger, I have to protect her. But how trembly is she? She's really not thinking clearly thinking, oh, what'll go wrong next? And so this, the this I'm fine routine, the the roof has been blown off and finally Willow is starting to see sense. And especially when Willow goes to Justin and is kind of tries to get a sense of what the Morgans are thinking and Justin's like, oh, I'm sorry to shoot the messenger, but like, I'm sick of this stuff. She can't keep going on like this. So then when Willow confronts Jasmine after she sees the chats. So... I'm glad Willow's starting to get more involved in this because this I I don't think Willow was fully getting the severity of this situation. I love how Jasmine's like, yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, no, I need to talk to my friends. So then she took just takes the um the chats offline and then on the advice of some of some chat person, she starts taking notes and then ugh, and documenting everything. It's so crazy. And then my not my favorite moment, but a standout moment for me for me this week was when she gets a coffee from Leah in the diner and she's like, yeah, I'm going to head over. And Leah's like, no, 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 don't. Don't, no, no, don't. And then comes back with a sassy comment. Leah's like, oh, they've gone up the coast. And um, Jasmine's like, oh, maybe she won't leave her in her car this time. A good bit of venom in that comment. And no, I'll call over later. It's like, maybe another time. They need some one-on-one. Like, I thought Leah handled that really well. Like, more people. So now we have Leah... Willow and Mac all getting insights into Jasmine's derailment and her, I'm going to say disconnect from reality, even though she's connecting with more people online. The irony. And this is just the type of hysteria that I want. And I don't want this storyline to go anywhere. I just, I never know where they're going to take me. As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for even one week, two weeks, you'll know I'm obsessed with this storyline. So I really just cannot wait to see where it's going to (laughs) go. And from one unravelling storyline to another, we have the Ben and Maggie saga. I thought last week we were kind of coming to a reunion you know, can we all just get back to normal here? No, no, no. We have Ben and Maggie in the wake of all of Maggie's irrational decisions that she did in heartbreak. So I did like their references to mum and dad are in lockdown. Is that a reference to the, to the real world we're in? Um, because they're not really acknowledging our current COVID climate at the moment. I don't really know if they ever will, but I don't know if that's a reference to... Anyway, that's just me looking in from a microscope. Anyway, so we start the week with Maggie feeling the pressure to be this perfect couple coupled with the acceptance of her transfer. So consequences, Maggie, your decisions have, your your actions and your decisions have consequences. So the celebration at Salt all becomes too much for her and she feels sick. Mm, air bunnies. And I love how Ziggy's like, was it my speech? Ugh. Like, no, Ziggy, your speech was only four lines long. Like... It's Anyway, it's just the Ziggy show sometimes. Then when Ben and Maggie have a chat back home, Maggie's all like, are we trying to get back to a place that doesn't exist anymore? Which maybe is true, but I don't know. And then she can't get a job. So I don't know. Okay, what's the logical thing to do? We'll just just go to Italy. We will go to Italy. So yeah, just an open-ended trip to Italy. Ben is a small business owner. I don't know how he's... And she is an unemployed school principal. Their nest egg is just the sale of the diner, so that can't be more than like 70, 100 grand. That's not going to keep them going. What kind of work are they going to do? And then then being like, oh, we have to go with our daughters. Sorry, do you not realise you've got a daughter who has a very serious relationship and a career that she's only just gotten her apprenticeship and then... I think it's so weird when Ziggy was like I'll do anything and then they're like come to Italy and then she takes this big bite out of the apple I thought that was weird then Ziggy feels like indebted because I said I'll do anything asking her to emigrate anyway she tells Dean and Dean's like "I'll oh, do what you want in the classic Dean way because he like loves her so much and obviously Dean doesn't want to go but then obviously Ziggy was never going to go so then Ziggy's like oh I can't go it's your dream not mine Mike's like Ziggy okay. Ziggy Face weird face expression I'll just find another dream it's fine we'll work something out don't you worry you've just destroyed our dreams oh it's fine like you can't just ask somebody to emigrate and give them like a week's a day's notice and then expect them to come with you it's just so loose and fancy free. It's not how anyone lives their lives. It, that's very much your story. So why don't the two of you just bugger off and go to Italy? Stop bringing your children into this. Why would you think, oh yeah, I'm Coco and I'm in school and I'd love to just up everything, dump my scholarship. And all my environmentalist career hopes and dreams and just come and live with you in Italy because it's something, oh, I can't live away from because my mum doesn't want to live away from me, even though I never see her anyway. And then Ziggy, oh, yeah, just dump your life, please, and come to Italy with us. It's just so, it's just one plot line that just really wasn't thought through. And then just this like broad sweeping acceptance of, okay we're just going to give them this storyline and it's just going to fly. And no, I'm not buying it. And just they're getting so. I really like them as a couple, but they're annoying me so much now. It's like bugger off, go to Italy. Why don't you just go for a holiday, rebuild, and come back? Summer Bay isn't that suffocating. All you did is went for a coffee in the diner. A few people being like, "You guys are the perfect couple," and then you went to a dinner which your daughter organized for you with like four people, and everyone being like, "We're happy you're back together." Like, how was that? No, we can't live in the bay anymore. How dare they care about us? No, just, no. I'm just, go for a holiday to Italy. Go for the few months like you've been talking about since you got to the bay and just come back after a few months. Everyone will for, have forgotten about it. You'll have refound who each other's are and then just come back. You have businesses and jobs and lives to come back to. Like, what are you going to do in Italy? You're not even saying place names. You're not like, oh, Rome, we could live there or I could teach English. You know, there's no surfing in Italy. What are you going to do? It's just... It's really a stupid avenue and I'm just, I just don't like the way we're being forced to accept it. But anyway. And like, is there no other option? Also, there's no mention of Dean. They never say, oh, oh, do you mind us asking you to leave your long-term boyfriend? They don't even say, could he come? It was very much Ziggy who asked, could he go? Because um, I don't think she would have gone without him. And like, I just don't understand how it's so in- unbelievable for them to go, oh, there's no, it's not even an option that they can't just stay in Summer Bay. I love how it's just Italy or nothing because we can't do anything. We're just back at square one. Blah. Anyway. Anyway, now, just quickly on to Ryder. So, so he needs a distraction. He's back to work. Still no word from Rue. And then Max sticking her foot in it about her own dad being like, I'm so glad I'm never going to talk to my dad again. In Ryder's face, like how silly can you be? This just leads me to the point where you know, and you know the way Ryder can't stop looking at his phone and watching his dad perform, and like his Ryder's phone cover, like the OR on the tie dye, it's just so classically Ryder. I just it makes me laugh every time. It's just of course he's a tie dye cover, and of course there's an OR on it. It's just classic him. Anyway, I'm glad he finally gets the call. Alf gets involved there being like, will you please update him? It's been days. So the phone call was cute. Glad that happened. Lovely. Also, just a quick note of mention, the tension between John and Marilyn is bloody palpable. And they do make make a note that he's not sleeping. Well, maybe you're not sleeping because Marilyn isn't in your bed. Hmm? I know we talked about it last week that he was a bit disappointed that they weren't sharing a bed. So, I don't know. Anyway, he's getting, they're getting awfully snappy at each other. Marilyn's still fussing. Like, can we change the tact here? You know? Alpha's obviously being amazing. He's breaking the tension between the two of them. Alpha's very, being very much of a crutch for them because the passive aggression is just kind of building up, building up, building up. And then we get, don't treat me like a child, leave me alone and Maz storms out I can't do this anymore well hello didn't take a jeans to figure that out I feel like she's trying to help him but it's making it worse he's obviously a terrible patient I wouldn't like to be in either of their positions but I just wish they could get on come on they've been through enough please like you're just gonna push Marilyn away John and ugh I just wish it was a bit more smooth sailing for them than what's currently happening <laughs> And then, alright, now we have big week this week, I must say. Then we had the drama with the paradas. So, Colby is not letting this go. It's actually getting a bit annoying and you can see the frustration in everybody else, i.e. Mac lying on her statement. But I do agree where he's grilling them and being like, where is all this money coming from? Will Tana just be honest? At least with Brax, he kind of knew he was a drug dealer and he kind of knew there was dodginess coming from him. with With Tana. you just don't know. Will you ever just give us an answer on this? But anyway, Mac is seeing the injustice of Colby and poor Nick getting flashbacks of Ari's arrest. And also in all of this, I think Gemma wears a very good ponytail. I really like them. She has such a lovely long hair. But anyway, Sorry. Then, when Justin debunks the Max statement, that's when the lineup comes about. But how much did Leah actually see? Like, I just obviously police do it, but she literally saw nobody. She fell on the ground as soon as they broke into the diner. So I just, I, anyway, I really did like how Gemma had the, has the chat with Marilyn and says it's it, coming up to your anniversary between uh, Makare's death, her husband's death. And we need to bring him home and I don't think we'll be able to rest until he does. So maybe that is the reason as to why they're all running into this kind of bumps in the road and trouble with the police. And, you know, maybe a bit of peace is on the way for them, I hope. Also, Colby, when Colby finds out that Grace has been returned, he's like, oh, did they catch the perp? Ew, Colby, that's such a horrible, grossly cheesy thing to say. I hated it. And despite everyone telling them to leave the Pradas alone, Colby still won't let it go, which leads Ari and Tane to call the dodgy lawyer, which is echoing a lot of Braxton memories. And then it, them even like standing up, being like, "We're not doing the the lineup, so you can't make us do it." And the fact that the Pradas never gave Macare a proper funeral or a goodbye, which might be a reason for all the craziness. Hopefully, that will bring about a bit of peace. And then we saw a bit of a change in the tides with Ari and Mac. He was being very romantic with her. Being like, oh, I'd want to spend the... And it did sound like he was leaving, moving back. But anyway, that's... I don't know. I would... I would not know where I stood. Like, it sounded like they were going forever. Anyway, and then we have Nick and Bella in bed together holding hands. Interesting. Did she stay the night? Who knows? And then finally talk about returning to the scene of the crime... We have Nick asking Tori about the kidnapping and Tori being like, How did you know that? So anyway, silly Nick, but anyway, it hopefully he's gotten away with it for now, but it's not looking good because he just won't let it go. <gasps> that about wraps it up for me today if you want to get in touch you can just email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com or you can get me on Instagram at classy Cabana don't forget about the no spoilers it's a total game changer try for one week and see how much more exciting Home and Away gets and if you have some time I'd love if you could subscribe rate and or review if you have a second but no pressure g'day and I'll talk to you next week